Welcome to Backstage with Becca B with special guest Brian Logan Dales. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Backstage with Becca B. On this episode, he's well known for being in the band The Somerset, but has most recently gotten involved in musical theater in LA. Here to talk about his new journey in the theater scene, please welcome Brian Logan Dales. Hey. Hi. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming on this. So you're in Arizona right now? I am in Arizona. I've pretty much been here since March. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm in Texas. I haven't been here since March. I've been here since like June, but. You're from Texas, right? Yeah. Where again? In Dallas. Dallas, okay. Yeah. Um, I came out here in March when the sort of lockdown first happened and I had just rescued a dog, a very, very big dog. Um, and came out here to get a little bit of extra space and just lay low and then realized I really liked the extra space and all the quiet and yeah. figured I don't have any physical reason to be in LA right now. So yeah. I'm here. Anyways, yeah. I'm just gonna tie in theater to like your past kind of. Of course. Like you've gotten involved in some in theater over the past couple of years. Oh. And I like it blows that my mind that it blows my mind that you haven't been like super involved in it in the past. But yeah. like unlike other people that I've had on it, I don't think unless you performed as a kid, did you perform as a kid in theater? Did you ever like have interest in theater as a kid? Or I mean to be honest, I I had never thought about it in, ever in like my entire life. It had not really occurred to me. I mean maybe more so on the songwriter composer side but i had never until a random phone call from jordan ross i had never planned on acting of any kind let alone theater or live i don't know it uh was just not something that ever really occurred to me much um i uh i mean if i go back for i didn't grow up i didn't grow up doing theater. I didn't grow up even really going. I actually kind of grew up like a little bit more of like an athlete. And then I stumbled into music by accident in its own right. I was like a sophomore in high school and uh, I had started getting really into sort of punk bands in MySpace. Uh, um, and I played drums in a band. And then I remember, honestly, I met, it was like my sophomore year of high school. I was in, I was in my school student government and we were planning a Battle of the Bands event, and I thought it'd be cool to have in between bands on the main stage, have like an acoustic stage in the lobby, but didn't really get anybody to sign up. So I ended up having to play myself just to save myself. And uh, I like sang and played some songs on guitar, and I thought no one would care, and it was really fun and was really well received. And it ended up kind of occurring to me that singing was a lot more fun than playing and playing drums. So, um, I started doing more and more of that. And then I played in this band called the Somerset that I started my senior year of high school. And we did that for the better part of 11 years and then took a little break from that at the end of 2017. And then, uh, well, before I go any further, I will say, I remember my like end of my junior year going into my senior year of high school. I, there was one moment where my high school did 
my high school, my high school had an incredible theater program, especially for Arizona. And I didn't participate in it at all. <laughs> just, so I, would, I just, I wasn't, I was doing, I was playing bands and I was playing yeah. basketball and tennis for my high school. And like, I was busy and um, like, if I could go back, I wish I'd, if I could go back in time, I wish I did it. Cause I remember seeing my high school do a production of little shop of horrors and oh. thinking, and thinking, Oh, that's awesome. Um, that was sort of like the gateway musical, but also little shop is very like sort of fifties do up punk rock in its own way. So like, it was a good musical for me to, it was a good gateway musical for me because the songs were very, and then I'll, of course I find out later it's Alan Menken and yeah. Howard Ashman. And I was just like, Oh wait, the guys who wrote part of your world also wrote like Skid Row. This is so cool. Um, it's so weird to think about that. But this like weird sort of off, off, off Broadway punk rock fifties musical. Um, anyway, my high school did a production of it. That was awesome. And I, I think if we had not, if I had not stumbled into meeting the people I started the Somerset with and doing that my senior year of high school, I think my senior year, I would have maybe tried to get involved. I just ended up not having the time or the ability, but I was really inspired by watching my high school do Little Shop of Horrors and then meeting some of the people who were involved. And I think if things were different, I would have done that. But also if things were different than I never did the Somerset, I would have never ended up in, I know what you did last summer musical yeah. anyway. So, um, but then, yeah, so then I played in a band for 10 or 11 years and that was a full-time job of touring 200 days a year. So I was, that was, I mean, and there's touring in the theater world too. So there is a yeah. sort of a, there is a symbiosis to the both of it, but like my life for 10 years was the equivalent of doing it a tour for where yeah. I was gone. I was gone 200 days a year for 10 years. But uh, anyway, we stopped doing the Somerset sort of end of 2017. Um, when we stopped doing that, I wasn't really sure what I was trying to do next. I like kind of started another band. Um, but starting a new band from the ground up is hard. And I wasn't really sure like where it fit in the, in the sort of world of that. And then I, I moved to Nashville and cause that's good place. And I moved to Nashville with this idea in mind that I would just kind of try to get a little bit behind the scenes and just be out there. I had a good relationship with a lot of people out there who can who who I knew that I could get my foot in the door. And I swear I'd been in Nashville for like seven days and I got a, message from Jordan Ross, a writer, producer, who obviously you know, but yeah. for those who are watching, um, a writer, producer of uh, quite a bit of theater in LA who randomly sent me a message um, asking if I would want to be in I Know What You Did Last Summer, the musical. And I said, no. Uh, wow. I just, well, I said no at first. I mean, it's a little more complicated than that. I should also back up and say I had seen Cruel Intentions in its first run at Rockwell. Yeah, Jordan, when you mentioned that. When, when, because when Katie Stevens was in it, Katie is a, a very, very old friend of mine. Um, uh, ironically, I've known I've known Katie for ten years now, probably. Uh, That's crazy. Uh, how the world probably, goes. probably close to 
10, eight to 10 years, somewhere in that ballpark, a long time ago, right after she had finished American Idol, basically. Um, I actually didn't know her brother, Ryan, at all. I had never even met him. Um, but anyway, I digress. I had just gotten to Nashville and I was, Nashville is a <clears throat> city where like, you have to do the groundwork and pay your dues before anybody will take you seriously. And I had gotten to Nashville and then Jordan had sent me this message asking if I wanted to do it. And I was like, oh man, maybe in another life, but I just got to Nashville and I just moved here and I really want to like plant my roots and like show people that I'm serious about being here. And I think that's going to require me to be here. Later that day, I got a text message from Katie Stevens saying, oh my God, you're going to do a musical with my brother. Um, and I texted Katie. I was like, oh, I actually just told Jordan I can't do it. And Katie was like, you should do it. <laughs> um, yeah, <it's> Katie. <laughs> and then I talked to, and then also on top of that, like I've known Greer Grammar for 10 years as well. I heard she mentioned you for OC Musical. What was that? I heard she mentioned you for the OC Musical. Did she? I did not know that. I heard that's that's what Jordan said. Oh, maybe, maybe that, that, that probably, that sounds about right. That probably makes sense. I've known Greer since like 2011 or so um, through Random Worlds. And then uh, we were kind of running in the same circle for a while. Um, sort of end of 2017. So Greer and I had been pretty close, ironically, at the time. Um, so it was definitely another incentive knowing Greer was in it and that, like, I wasn't just diving into the deep end. Uh, I, so I said no, and then Katie was like, you should do it. And then I had a long phone call with uh, my sort of, my longtime sort of big sister slash manager. And she was like, I think you should do it. I think you going to Nashville is not as good of an idea as you think it is. Um, and anyway, I called Jordan back. I knew at the time that I had to come back to LA in about in, with like within around a week at that time anyway, to move out of my apartment. I still had an apartment. I had a house in Nashville, but I still had my apartment in LA and I needed to like move some stuff out of my yeah. apartment. And I was going to a wedding and I was going to a wedding in LA. Um, so I called Jordan and I was like, how about this? What if, can I, um, I, I'm coming to LA. I have to move out of my apartment. I have to go to a wedding. I will be in town for like maybe four weeks. Can I learn the show and do, can I do like a weekend or two or can I do some of it? And he was like, we'll take you for however much you want to do it. So I was originally only supposed to do the first four shows of that run. Um, and then Connor Weil was going to do the rest of it. I um, had no clue about that. Uh, sorry, Connor. I never let you go on as Barry. Um, you to go on a couple of times. Not never as Barry, which ironically, I actually, really want, I actually really wanted to see him go on. <laughs> I really wanted to Barry Connor to go on it when we did the second run. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, I, I learned the show. I learned the show. And I was like, I, also, I, I understood just how much work it is to get these things off the ground. And then on top of that, I really loved it. And then I just never left LA. I literally, so then I was like, you know, so like after the first four shows, I was like, oh, I want, can I do the rest of them? And everyone was like, yeah, of course. And then I stayed. And then I sort of never really went back to Nashville. Um, I love that. I'm so uh, glad that you 
stayed. And I really, and I, oh, that's so my, <laughs> thank you. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the, the process of all of it and like the sort of catharsis that came with the workload. It was like, I've explained it before that there's no version for me at least of like playing in a band or playing a show with a band that isn't in some degree just me going on stage and spontaneously saying whatever, doing whatever I want. Yeah. And I liked that theater is obviously so militant and it's the same, you want, it's the same show night after night. And so there was like a diligence to the work ethic that I turns out I really needed in my life because I was just so um, used to doing shows that were kind of fly by the edge of your seat. And it was a really good work. It felt like a job, which was really good for me. And I was, in a, I was in a weird kind of space in my life where I wasn't really sure what I was doing anymore, so. So it kind of gave you, it kind of gave you time to, I mean, essentially, like, start over with something. Oh, I started, yeah, I started over entirely. I stayed in L.A. I had a conversation with my manager about, like, doing more acting or auditioning for stuff. And I was like, I've never, I have no idea what I'm doing. A part of me thinks not having any idea what I'm doing is like the, the uh, part of the thing that I think is working for me. It's yeah. just like, I don't want to, it's one of those, there's this fine line of like, I don't want to learn too much, but I don't want to, um, I don't want to know too little. Like how can I keep my instinct of, and while also I like learning how the craft of things goes. Oh, sorry. Give me one second. We're back. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so, and then, I don't know, the whole leaf turned over when I came back to do, I know you did. And that show, at least like the first run of that show was some bizarre lightning in a bottle that I thought it was, I was just like, is it always like this? Like we all get, a, this is, we are active on a group text every day, two years later, like. yeah. There was just something really fun about the timing of that first run of that show that I am going to miss every day for the rest of my life. No matter what happens, that was the most fun I've ever had. Well, there's just something like, special about that show too. It was, yeah. it, it reminded me of like a second kind of Cruel Intentions musical yeah. in a way. Even yeah. though like it's such a different genre. Mm -hmm. Like just how close the entire cast was reminded me of how close the Cruel Intentions musical cast always seemed. Yeah, there was just like a certain electric thing that happened that was fun just every show was fun and we were it was the right balance of like taking it seriously and not taking it too seriously um and a camaraderie that was really good and also like we were doing it around halloween time and there was we also got lucky where like i remember there were a handful of places around town that were screening i know what you did last summer for the halloween spirit so we got a lot of like sort of cast bonding and cast and crew bonding moments that really brought us together in a way that like and it was my first time ever doing this so I was like oh my god does it always does it feel this good all the time to do this I want to do this forever yeah so kind of going back to before you got involved in LA theater in LA yeah. uh since I mean I want to know what what is like how does forming a band work and how does uh like how did you get lucky with uh 
have like getting the band off its feet. You know, that's it. So, oh, that's a great, that's a great question. Wow. Uh, we uh, um, well, like I said, like we were in high school, which already in its own right doesn't make any sense. No band that we we got. We, we got kind of lucky out of the gate, but we also worked really hard even as teenagers. Um, it, was in, it was in 2007 when we started and MySpace was in peak form. And yes. uh, we had played a couple shows as like a local band around town. And we were, there was a good, like, it was a combination of a lot of things. There was like a sort of a scene of bands in Phoenix at the time where there was just a lot going on. So it was very, got on a show and we knew there would be a lot of people there. And like, it was, so it was like the crowds were already, there was already some buzz just locally right out of the gate because we were a good band of teenagers. And like, there was a lot of people going to shows and a lot of bands. So there was like a scene quote unquote. Um, yeah. And then we recorded a couple songs and we put a couple songs on MySpace. And we got a message on MySpace from this guy who worked at this like indie record label in California that had a bunch of, there were small record labels, but they had a bunch of bands that we thought were so cool at the time. So we, we were like, this is the greatest thing ever. Ironically, it didn't really turn out to be the greatest thing ever, but I gained a couple of my best friends for life from that scenario. Some, but uh, um, we, we signed to this small record label while we were still in high school the record label went under, went out of, like went out of business right while, like right when we signed to them. And then we just kind of started doing as much as we could by ourselves. I remember like we graduated high school and started and like we went on tour, but tour was like the five of us in a 15 passenger van playing for 20 people a night in Texas or wherever we could get a show. We had like, an, we had a booking agent, which was great. So like we were able to get some shows, but the first couple of years of it where it's just like, thank God I was 19 and, and willing to do so. Well, it's like the first couple of years was like all seven of us cramming into a hotel room or sleeping in the stranger's floor or playing for 20 people or like sneaking into a bar. And, but we, but we did it and we played 200 shows a year or we played any show we could. And we did, it was little by little. And then I remember, it was in around 2010 when I noticed it to start kind of going. And it was like, so it was three years of us doing it sort of DIY for anybody who would watch from 18 years old to 20 years old. And then, then we, we signed to another, another record label and we did a couple tours that were opening for some bands that like had a lot of people. And then we did like the, like the warp tour, which is this sort of Vans punk rock festival tour and the warp tour really put us in sort of a different put us in a category but also put us in front of a lot of people um and then i don't know, from there it was just kind of a cycle it was like put out an album write an album record an album put out an album go on tour and we were a band that was built on doing it like we are without touring we wouldn't have even had a business model like we 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 worked as a band because we toured so the touring was the business when you pictured touring at first did you think that it would be like more glamorous than it actually oh, yeah. was like what was oh, in your mind when it came to touring oh yeah i mean i thought touring they don't show you in 
TVs or movies or on MTV or in documentaries like touring that the, a version of touring where it's like eight people crammed in a van with a trailer and you're loading your own gear and you're trying to touring is expensive it just it is like it's i am there's a cohesion to um, i mean touring in the theater company is expensive like touring is an expensive ordeal so i mean we were touring in a van and all and like six people sharing one hotel room and sleeping on floors and that was and we were still scraping by for the first year or so you have to pay for i and I and we had to pay for gas. And in 2008, and in 2008, when the economy crashed, gas prices were the highest in record the first summer we ever went on tour. We literally barely could afford gas because it was so insane. Um, and uh, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Like, I think about it all the time. I was like, I wish you spend so much time when you're doing a band trying to think of how to get ahead that you're not really a pre, like, appreciating the parts that are currently happening it's like man you know in, in retrospect there were some things we did of like that were just fun <laughs> yeah. but it was but it was we were trying to be a band and we were trying to be a, the, a, the biggest band in the world so like there was there was work to be done i forgot about how much fun it was for sometimes uh speaking of speaking of bands you've, i'm gonna get into much more theater later but speaking of bands what was yes what bands kind of inspired y'all's music and uh and the sound um so we were a combination of a band that was as a band inspired by a collective of things but also all of us individually being inspired by different stuff which kind of helped but like as a band as a band we really loved like a lot of so this is we started in 2007 and we were a band from Arizona that grew up on a another band from Arizona called Jimmy world and Jimmy like without Jimmy world, the Somerset would have never existed. And then it was like third eye blind and some like nineties rock bands. But also I grew up just sort of in my household on a lot of like Bruce Springsteen and Tom Petty and like Heartland singer songwriter and like big eighties, like bar sing along. So that sort of worked. But then also like we were a pop rock band in the world of like the warp tour where bands like fall out boy and panic the disco and, Paramore were at the top of the food chain so you, and the All American Rejects. So you watch these bands and you're like, okay, I want, let's, let's, I want, I want to be like that. Yeah. Um, so especially in the time, it was like 2007, 2008, we were trying to figure out who we were and like that sort of pop punk emo thing was at the top of its game culturally, at least. So, um, but also, like, when you're a teenager in the mid-2000s, you start a band because of Blink-182. Like, it's kind of like, that's kind of why we, in some way, shape, or form, like, we were terrible. We, we just wanted to, like, play music in our garage. Uh, but then we all had sort of different things. Like, I'm a, till the day I die, I'm, I'm a, like, hardcore Bruce Springsteen, Fleetwood Mac, Tom Petty, like, late 70s, early 80s sort of singer-songwriter thing. That is just gonna kind of be the with the makeup of my DNA as a musician. So, um, but uh, as a band, it was a lot of like Jimmy World and Third Eye Blind and sort of late '90s, early 2000s rock bands. 
And since you are a musician and songwriter too, mm -hmm. uh, what's, first of all, what's the process of writing songs for you? And second, would you ever think of writing songs for a staged musical? I definitely would. Uh, I can't say that I haven't already been doing that. Oh! But that's as much as I, that's, that's about as much as I will probably say. But um, that's not quite ready to be talked about yet. But I have been working on something. Well, you know, I mean, I can talk about it to this degree. Another thing that was so wonderful about the timing um, of getting that message from Jordan Ross and that company of people asking me about doing I Know What You Did was that myself and a longtime songwriter partner who actually, who, a longtime songwriter partner of mine, um, she had been wanting to write a musical for a long time. And so we had, around the same time Jordan had messaged me, her and I were kind of like flirting with the idea of like taking some songs that, some of them were songs that we had already written together that just like never saw the light of day with the Somerset or with another thing. And she actually went to NYU Tisch to be a director for theater, but ended up, but, but ended up never working in the theater and ended up like working in like sort of the world of pop music as a producer, songwriter and engineer. But uh, she had called me one day around a couple, maybe a couple months prior to when I joined, I know he did. And she, she was kind of like, I want to get back to what I went to school for. I want to like, I want to write a musical. And I was like, I don't want to, I was like, you should do that. And she's like, no, I want to do that with you. And I was like, I was like, I don't know what that means. I have no idea. Doesn't that take like seven years? I don't have seven years. Um, I was like, I want to go to Nashville and write country songs, which was a really weird idea in its own right. But uh um, she was living in Nashville at the time. So ironically, I go out to Nashville to try to move to Nashville to write country songs. And I get together with her to write and she brings it up again. She's like, we should write a musical. I was like, what, what musical? And then she was like, I want to take these two songs that we wrote yeah. for the Somerset and we should use, we should build something around it. Long story short is around that time when we started like kind of flirting with the idea of writing something. Um, I got asked about doing, I know you did last summer. And I was just like, man, something is something in the kismet is pushing me in this direction, One whether year. I want to be. Oh, and <laughs> anyway, to, to something, to something years later, me and Emily, my partner have been working on a project for a while, but there's not necessarily anything I can talk about outside of that. But, oh. And it'll be in, in, and who knows now, when it'll see the light of day but yeah but it felt but it, but it happened really organically it was like it started with just her and i taking songs that we had already written together her and i have a very her and i have a style and it's very me it's not very it's certainly sounds more like an americana rock singer song but like the way the day it started to make sense to me when i was working on it with emily her name my partner's name is emily uh when I started working on it, the day it really started to connect to me is at its core as a songwriter, I've always just loved why, like why I love Bruce Springsteen, for example, is because these are storyteller songs. I yeah. love, 
at its core, I've always just wanted to tell stories. I've done them in songs for a long time. And then one day, sheepishly, it sort of occurred to me that like, oh, a musical doesn't have to be all like classical jazz hands. It can just be what I love about music. But in a, you're telling me I could go write the songs I like to write, but in like a long form story? Cool. I'm in. See you in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I have all the time um, in the world now to write musicals. Well, that's that's been part of the blessing of being of the- here in Arizona is I've had a good amount of time to like really sit with it. But uh, as far as like what it is and what it's about and what it sounds like, I don't have any information for you yet. But uh, that's exciting. We'll see, though. we'll see from there. Um, been a long road. Do you have anything you've like listened to Broadway wise to inspire you? Oh, I listen to everything now. I listen to everyone, everyone, everyone. And like the, I know what you did camp or the Rockwell camp sort of makes fun of me for the fact that I had never heard a song from Rent in my entire life prior to like a year or two ago of like, I, I was like, I don't know. I did with it now. Oh, it's yeah. I was like, wait a second. I'm, I'm almost 15 years late, but I was just like, wait. I didn't know anything about this. You're telling, like, this is, oh, this is cool. Wait, this exists? Like, I like song. I like this. And so uh, that Rent is certainly the more obvious one. But yeah. um, but Rent, well, less of the opera part of it. <laughs> sort of the, yeah. Um, I'm not as fascinated with sung through stuff, mostly because it seems, sounds, it just seems impossible. <laughs> but, um, but, obviously rent um ironically i'm a f- fan of duncan sheik's singer songwriter stuff and then he's gone on to write a ton of mostly most of his career now has seemingly been and obviously spring awakening but other things are like yes. um so I, i'm a fan of his anyway i saw dear evan hansen and dear evan hansen obviously is a great example because like at their at its core these are just like heartfelt acoustic pop rock songs it's like wait a second this just sounds like what I would like out of songs that that's an obvious one um but then um another musical I actually lo- loved the I, I mentioned that Little Shop of Horrors was kind of a gateway for me it was like I saw it and I was like oh that's cool but uh um I stumbled upon the last five years in high school but as an as like it's as like an album I didn't never I didn't know anything about I didn't know anything about the show. I didn't know anything about, I'd never seen it. I stumbled upon the cast album and I just thought the music was cool, but I had no idea. I didn't, I was like, I don't know anything about this. I just was like, oh, these are cool songs. Um, so obviously that piece of music as well as pretty much anything Jason Robert Brown at this point, cause it's very Billy Joel-esque. So, um, but yeah, I don't know, so I'm a little all over the map, but there's a lot of, there's become stuff that I really love. And yeah. I've also, then I also like, I've also now, I've also gone out of my way to like, I'm a person who, whether it be in music or in acting or in theater or in writing music, like I'm a person who enjoys doing the homework, if that makes sense, which is weird, but I, I now, I'll listen, I listen to, I'll listen to everything. I just like, I have to take it all. So to some degree, I've listened to pretty much every musical I can find dating back 30 years. Um, 
uh, I've been listening to now is musicals. Pretty so, much. I don't know well, what other music has come out. Well, well, the other, the other thing that I find really fascinating that I or that I really love about it is so. I'm in Arizona right now. I drive back and forth from Arizona to LA often. Like obviously right now I'm here, but I've been driving back and forth for a couple times a year for 10 years. Um, and it's what I like, I've learned that I really like listening to theater albums on the drives because they're easy. I can just put it on and it, and, and it's something like it's something to follow as opposed to just like a random playlist. So like, yes. I've actually found I really like just uh, putting it on and listening and like just having a story to follow is actually really fun. See, I've never thought of it that way. And like, and listening to musical theater songs on a drive because it goes in order. Well, I just like it's something it's easy to it's stimulating. And it's in a different way. It's very fun. It's like there's something to pay attention to. Yeah. Outside of the road, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, I, um, so I've done a lot of listening to stuff on drives like that. Yeah. Um, oh, I saw the other obvious one for me is Once. Oh, yeah. But, but I was... Once was a good combination of a lot of things. I'm big fan of Glenn Hansard to begin with. Saw the movie when it came out in, in theaters in 2006. Loved it. Loved the songs. Like a lot of Irish singer-songwriter, even just far outside of theater is like my kind of lane of just stuff I'm a big fan of. Glenn Hansard and Damien Rice and um, U2 and, and Morrison and all this stuff. But uh then obviously they made the musical and I ended up actually seeing it in the West End while I was on tour in the UK many years ago. Um, and uh, loved everything about it. So once is like, once is sort of my favorite thing. But like, <laughs> When was the first time you saw a musical theater show? Was it Little Shop in high school or was it before well, that when you were? Probably Little Shop in high school. <laughs> um, I think I saw Grease as like a six-year-old, but I don't remember it. So I think when I was, there's a community theater in the small little town I'm in in Carefree, Arizona. But uh, I think I saw Grease when I was like six. Uh, that doesn't count, I don't remember. I remember, seeing, I remember seeing Little Shop in high school and being like, oh, that was cool. Yeah. And it was good. And my school did a good job. And there was a good program. And there were some kids at my school who went on to go to theater colleges. And I don't, I have no idea if anyone that's come necessarily done much of anything but like there was a good program at school for a while and some good people in it so as far as a high school production the little shop it was probably one of the better ones you could see so i was like oh this is awesome i went and saw it twice i was like this is great um and then so and then never really again i guess i saw once on tour in the west end Sorry, when I was on tour, when I was in, I was on my, the Somerset was on tour in the UK and we had a day off and I saw once. Um, I'm trying to think of, oh, I saw The Lion King. Yeah, that's another staple for sure. I saw The Lion King at the Gamage Auditorium in Arizona, which is where like the touring, any touring company would do their, their Phoenix date. I saw that. That was obviously cool. The first show I saw on the first show I saw on Broadway was Book of Mormon. Really? Yes. Okay. 
So I saw Book of Mormon, and I was just like, holy shit, <laughs> this is funny. And, and obviously, like, so Book of Mormon was the first show I ever saw. And then it would have been once uh, in, in London. And then nothing after, for, and then never again, really, until um, I was in New York with Emily, my partner, shortly after we finished I Know What You Did last summer. And we did just sort of a, like a week of, we just did like a marathon of shows. So in that That's week, I saw... In that week, I saw Dear Evan Hansen, Kinky Boots, Mean Girls, Come From Away, and Network, the play, oh. which was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Wait, I'm so jealous. That's a play. Uh, I, yeah, I saw a preview network with Brian Cranston, and it was just like, this is, and it was so good that I just thought I was just like, I'm quitting everything. It was, it was unbelievable. Well, you put a list of shows for a week in New York. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so I, so I saw a week of shows in New York, and I was like, okay. I was like, okay, I understand it now. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I've been trying to play catch-up. Like, I like to do my homework, and I like to listen to stuff. So I, uh, I've, I've dove in pretty hard in the last couple of years as far as, like, what music what musicals and which ones have worked and like classics like Sondheim and like because you gotta I've sort of been going to school now yeah in its own right you're like learning by yourself kind of sure yeah and so you mentioned uh you mentioned getting like learning acting and you've had to do a lot of that in the past two years obviously because stage musicals sure so did you I'm assuming you didn't have much acting experience before you got involved in theater either. Oh God, no, no, I had never done. And anything. you don't act. So no, <laughs> I did. I was How in a commercial. I was in a. I was in a commercial. I was in a commercial for the summer. The Somerset was in a commercial for Macy's one time, and I had like four lines, and it was the hardest experience. And I was, and it was absolutely more. And that was seven years ago. Um, Where can we find that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can find that. I, somewhere, I think. I think I can find that. Exactly. Or I can find a, I can find a clip of it probably. Yes. Um, but uh, no, I had never acted in anything. Um, my music agents, the agency that the that we were rep for music for a long time, year, ten years ago, was like, we should, you should see one of our acting agents, and like maybe we should do some of that. But I was like, I'm not really. I don't like doing both. I'm not like. I'm not somebody who wants to do two, like both things at the same time. Like if I'm doing a band, I didn't want to also do that. I was like, to me, it's always like, I'd rather do one thing well than two things. Yeah. Immediate. <laughs> um, but, uh, and who did, who am I to say I was even doing the band? Well, I was just like trying It's hard. Also we were traveling 200 days a year. So it was like, there wasn't really time for it, but yeah. Um, so no, I had never acted in anything. It's just like, what on earth? Um, I showed up to, I know you did the rehearsal and I was just like struggling to keep up the best I could. I was just like, I was like, man, I can barely walk from point A to point B while reading. How the, how, 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 how does anyone do this? Um, and cause I just didn't realize how much of the room we would be using. So like, it was just like a lot to take yeah. in. Um, but then this, this thing clicked um, around like on at the opening night of I Know You Did last summer, where like, in some degree, like, 
I mean, we had put in the work. We rehearsed for three weeks, and I tried to keep up the best I could, and I did my homework every single day, basically, and memorized the whole thing, and, like, I like to take notes, and I like to review notes, and so I did what I, I, I worked really hard, but then, then, but then opening night happened, and, like, there was a room full of people in a small little club, and the lights were down, and that thing in my DNA that was just like, oh, this is the same as everything you've been doing for the last 10 years, but just a little different. And once I realized that it, to some degree it was the same, something clicked and switched. And I was like, oh, this is easy. Not easy. It's never easy. But I understood. I wasn't afraid of it anymore. Because I think I was afraid of it up until the day we opened. <laughs> of acting and singing at the same time. Like oh, just doing, just saying words and stuff. I was just like, oh, I don't like, I don't like multitasking in general. So like, I was like, how am I supposed to walk from A to B while saying that, while throwing a punch and then singing a high note? I was like, what the hell? Um, but uh, it, I, it, once we opened, something started to make sense just in, in, like, in, in the spirit of the DNA of what it is. I was like, oh, it's just, you're entertaining a live, you're entertaining a live audience, which is essentially the same as me. Which is which is all I've ever wanted to do my entire life. So it's, however the medium I'm doing so, I'm happy to do it. Yes. Uh, so was there like, because I know what, I watched you build your confidence during that show, especially the <laughs> yeah. first time you did it. I, like, and, I hope so. Yeah, I, I mean, at first, your confidence wasn't exactly all there. No. To be honest. But, and I was like, come on, y'all are great. I'm a, and you'll get so frustrated with yourself as performers. So was there a certain point where you think your confidence like reached a level that you really needed well, it to go? Yes and no. Um, I think it was gradual, a little bit over time. I mean, it was also ex like, I don't know if I ever fully reached it in that first run the same way I maybe did when we walked away from it and came back and did it eight months later. It's like, muscle memory for me needs to take a, a step away from things before I get better at them. So I actually, even though like the second run of I Know We Did Last Summer had its troubles, I felt more conf I didn't, I felt significantly more confident the second run of I Know You Did Last Summer. The first time I was still getting used to doing it, but I was starting to have fun and having fun and confidence are the same, are, are symbiosis of each other. But I do remember the opening night or the preview of I Know You Did Last Summer, Kevin Williamson came out to the show. Um, and after we were in, everyone was out in the courtyard and it, it came to his attention that I had never acted in anything before. Um, it had come to his attention that I had never acted in anything before. And so he said, oh, oh, okay. Do you want, do you, do you want a piece of advice? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Barry could be angrier. And I was like, awesome. And something, it was like I was allowed to, something I'm not like, you've seen, I know, obviously, but yeah, there is so much just me yelling at people all the time. I am not good at that. In my real life, I am not somebody who yells at somebody. I am not an angry person. And this show for two hours is just me being angry always there isn't really a change there isn't really even the two songs i sing even the two solos that barry sings in that show 
are angry and yelling. So I think it was getting comfortable just screaming at people. Like I scream at Greer Grammar in that show all the time. And I never felt like, I always felt funny about doing it. And then eventually I felt, I was just like, there was, I finally got com comfortable doing so. Yeah. Um, and then in turn, because I'm not that, like, because that's so the opposite of me, it actually made me more confident as an actor. It's just like, oh, you can, oh, you are capable of being something that you're not. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not a, I am not a scream in your face type of person. <laughs> um, I love the comparison between the sec, between like the first run and second run too, because like when you talk to Broadway actors and stuff, and if they come back for a role, like five years later, who knows how many years later, they're always like, yeah, like something the second run is definitely different because you you kind of well, the character. Well, and there's a there's a I think of like everything in more in muscle memory more than I do in like emotional context. It's just like you just like do it a lot until it feels right and then when it feels right, do it a lot more. And but at the same time with muscle memory, you have to with this goes with even in, as an athlete like or it's like, I'm a, I like, I'm, I, I run a lot, but a, a lot of what strong muscle memory also requires is for you to take a step away from it, let your body remember how it works and then come back to it. Yeah. And you'll find that when you come back to it, you are more confident and more physically able. And that applies to that certain for me at least that felt like that's what felt like it applied the second run of I know what you did last summer I just felt like a more confident person but then also there were six months in between the two runs and I had started like auditioning for stuff and working with people and like trying to get myself like so I, the, there were other I was starting to it was a it was a thing that I wanted to take seriously speaking of uh speaking of I know what you did last summer it uh <laughs> I feel like the first run and even the second run was like super, a lot of people came to it who love LA sure. theater. Sure. And like, I mean, I loved going to see it every week. There was something just so special about that show. What yeah. do you think made that movie a good show, a good movie to turn into a stage musical? Oh God, I have no idea. Um, I mean, if you if you'd asked me this question before we did it, I would have said it would have I would have said it was a terrible idea. But it was a good comment. I mean, okay, I've never thought about this. Um, at least with that first run, it was a good combination of '90s nostalgia, obviously being exciting. Um, which which Jordan loves. Yeah, uh, we were doing the show around Halloween time, and our show had this like sort of spoof scare factor to it that was like it was just a fun night out experience during that fall time of year um jordan really loves trying to do it in the summer now but i, I think it's a fun and I'm, I'm always just like i think this show is fun in the fall because or in the halloween time because it's like this scary movie and it's yeah. like going to see a scary movie live it's not but like um i also think it works so well because it shouldn't if that makes sense like there's yeah it's the it's ridiculous it's a ridiculous movie it's it, it, it i have now seen that movie so many times 
It is a ridiculous. Watch it for like research. Well, probably twice, but then we went and like we saw it at the Hollywood rooftop screening, and then we went to a screening at the Hollywood Cemetery. And I was just like, I feel like I'm going to be seeing. I know you did last summer, forever. Yeah. Um, and now I love it, but. Uh, in theory, the movie itself doesn't even really make any sense. So, I don't know. I think because it's really, it was really fun. Everyone in the movie was such a pop culture hit in its own right. Yeah. So, like, you, it's easy to bring to life, I guess. Um, and then we just had this fun. We had this. We had a fun cast of like equal parts of people who've done a lot of shows in LA theater people who hadn't done any so like there's always there was this perk for at least I think within that first run of the show because obviously we had a lot of people in the show who had done quite who've done a lot of stuff in the LA theater world and then so people from the LA theater world will come out to see it but then when you throw in people like Greer and I who haven't really done a ton you're bringing in people who would have never who've, like I was I mean I had people coming out to the show and they've never seen they've never been to a show at the Rockwell or a show in theater. They were coming because it was something and they were like, Oh, this is, this is really fun. Like I, for me, I love, I love turning people over. Just like I would always try to convince, I would get friends to come out and like have, have date night, but they would just but come see this show. And they're like, Oh, they wait, Pete, the Rockwell does this all the, all the time. Like that's fun. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's really fun. It's like people you um, wouldn't expect to be musical theater fans yeah. ever. And then also, I mean, the first run having Scott Porter also was great. Like Scott brings out, Scott brings people. <laughs> so, yeah. so like we were a room that doesn't hold more than 90 people, 99 people, but we had a good combination of LA folk, LA theater folks who've done a lot of shows and a couple LA theater folks who haven't really done a lot of shows. So, um, we were sold out every night, which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was sold out. Was it, yeah. like, the whole run that it was sold out? Yeah. Yeah. But, I I mean, I remember going to the show and being like, I haven't seen a lot of these people in theater shows before, but, like, they seem well, like they've all done theater before. I don't get it. It's my... I don't know if anyone says this about Jordan, but of all the talents Jordan Ross has, the thing I think is Jordan's one of his assets is his Jordan has no fear in asking somebody you wouldn't expect to do a project of his. I mean, at myself, Scott, even yeah. like, like, and I, I think it's fun to see people that you made that you wouldn't like, like there were, there were Somerset fans who had come out to see a couple shows. Um, and who and, and and I think like it's it's fun to see people you've seen do one thing do something else as long yeah. as the as long as the thing is good and I I know it was really good in that first run so, um, Jordan sort of Jordan has a really uncanny casting ability that I think is awesome. And did he help you work on the confidence when it came to being a stage actor, Jordan? Yes, yeah. but. Yes, but Joey Bybee, uh, who, Joey, who directed the first run of I Know, um, 
was a wonderful mentor for me and then also and then became a business partner on a different project in general um but uh joey yes but joey uh Joey, Joey was a big help. I re- we like would invite me over to his house and we would hang out and et cetera. And um, obviously Jordan as well. Jimmy Jordan has changed and Jordan changed my life basically. But uh, but then also the confidence comes. The confidence came from a tight cast. Like the fact that we are that we were tight knit sort of crew that was sort of its own weird form of lightning no one was going to let anyone fail especially me so it was like i loved it it felt like like everyone wanted to lift everyone else up and so it's like like this thing is only as good as its weakest link i'm the weakest link so um let's do it and also like having scott porter in the show was like a kind of a great mentor brother figure yeah um so uh yeah also you know like i also should mention connor Weil. um connor was our swing on our first run and then he was in the second run connor showed up every single day early works harder than anyone i've ever seen isn't like I know he did last summer had a lot of uh sort of weird fight scenes and Connor became like our sort of accidental fight choreographer coordinator which also that was another thing like that was the part that was the hardest for me to understand but also there was no stigma of him just sort of swinging us or Connor Connor was couldn't have Connor was as as helpful to me as anybody I've like Connor was right by my side the entire rehearsal process, basically like pep talking me. It was awesome, as well as everybody. But like, um, really grateful for him in that first run, and then the second run when we had a lot thrown at us and we were in a new venue and like a weird rehearsal schedule. Connor was rock solid at just like making sure that like the house wasn't gonna fall apart. Yeah, um, he really seems like that kind of person really hard worker really diligent no at the time i didn't even know what swinging was so at the time watching him swing four four rolls in the first yeah. round of i know summer immaculately was like a clusterfuck for my brain to understand i was just like wait i mean not even so much just for the lines and the movements are all different but like the male the male the, the male harmonies and i know he did last summer all over the place and how would like harmonies singing harmonies is such a muscle memory it's like how do you train your brain to do one one night and a different one the other night but that's what it is yeah. that's what the job is hard hard worker was an incredible little confidant and uh just pep talker um yeah. in that first one it was just like it was nice to if and also like there was like if i wasn't sure how something was supposed to be done I could watch Connor do it and then learn. I like watching somebody do it and learning from them. At least I did it at the time. Um, so I liked watching Connor do it. And then, so, yeah. So then getting to have Connor go in in different roles later in the runs was, uh, was awesome. I just think he's, he's great. And um, then like in between, I know what you did last summer and 
you doing a walk to remember musical speaking of joe of joey and you teaming up you did dale's hotel yeah and let's talk a little bit about that how did that come up and did you just like um, did you want to be on stage as a musician again yeah it was it was sort of my way to get like a monthly fix of like playing rock band and having a drink and hanging out with my friends um it started sort of by accident um we threw a New Year's Eve party at El Cid a couple weeks after the closing of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, we threw Joey and I and uh, my friend Matt threw a New Year's Eve party at El Cid. And we were like, what should we do? How, how do we make this interesting? And we were like, let's start a, let's maybe we do like a cover band or something. And uh, we, I mean, we thought it'd be something we'd do for like one night and it would, like and it would be stupid but it ended up being the first one the one we did at El Cid like Alt 98.7 the radio station helped promote it and some friends some old friends of mine from other bands came out and so like the the the, the first one the New Year's Eve one was just kind of this conglomerate of different friends coming up and playing a song and it was very like sort of it had this sort of sort of circus of camaraderie to it and um it was really fun and then a friend of mine um a friend of mine's the music director and booker for a club in Hollywood called the Sayers Club, where I've done random shows for them for years, and they're an incredible, incredible venue. Um, and they do something for the better part of 10 years. They've been doing a show there on Thursday nights called the Sayers Sessions Band, where it's like a house band of all of some of the best hired gun musicians in LA. It's like the horn section for Beyonce and like guitar players for Ellie Goulding. And it's like, I mean, it's, it's where like Sayers has the reputation of being sort of the place you go. If you're like a sort of a hired gun backing band, yeah. like monster player, you go sit in with them on a Thursday at, at, uh, at the Sayers club. And they've been doing, so they've been doing this sort of like incredible cover band for 10 years there on Thursday nights. Um, and my friend Nick, who's the music director and booker there, um, was at New Year's and he was like, you should do that. You should do that with us. And I was like, yeah, but you guys already do a version of it. And he's like, dude, we've been doing this for 10 years. We were looking for any reason to mix it up. Why don't you just take a Thursday night from us, from us one month a night, use our band and bring out your guests and whatnot. And so we were like, and then so me and Joey and Matt talked about it. And we were like, man, we could do a once a month sort of like combine the things we've learned from the theater and also like the things I know from playing a rock band and do this sort of like sort of rock from the ages review once a month of like sort of just treat it more like a party and less like a band kind of thing. But uh, we did that um, for once a month for the year or we have until, until the world ended, <laughs> which was, which is good for that because that needed a little bit of a break. It's hard to do the same show. It's hard to do that every yeah. single month and, and make it feel different. But uh, um well, and you were essentially a producer, kind of, for that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I mean, it's much. like, you're, you're probably stressing out about planning it every month. Yeah, it's hard, hard to plan every month, hard to get guests every month. Like, you're combining, combining world, all different worlds of friends I've made. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to, because it's so sort of impromptu and spontaneous, it's certainly hard to do it as a producer, because, like, 
everyone who does everyone anyone who comes out and does a song is doing it as a favor like we had huge people have to cancel an hour before it's just like you're because they're like still in the studio it's like so there's no everyone who kind of did it would do it as a favor so it wasn't like it's hard to hard to do as a producer because it was hard to really be accountable for certain things yes yeah and uh have you thought about when quarantine ends and of course it's safe to have large gatherings again bringing it back i'm sure we will it's going to be a long time it's gonna be a long time, yeah. um even even when um like i don't even know what's going on at the sayers club right now i think they're moving their venue they're, i think they might be moving because oh, wow. like it's hard to be a small venue right now you can't their only business is that so i think i haven't talked to them in a while but i think they're moving their their whole club's being moved so i don't know everything is different now and we'll see by the a year from now if you ask me i might not i might be eager to do it i might be happy to not do it i don't know there's no pressure to do it either which is kind of great like the small venues right now kind of have to transform into something that people like outside dinner venues or something sure and sayers just doesn't have that option yeah they can't uh, yeah uh so Last year, you did a Walk to Remember musical, and you did it twice. How, how many shows were there? There were like four, four, five shows? Four five shows? or six. Five or six, I think. Okay, five. five or six. Five shows. We did five shows. And then you, and you did it with Dia and Janelle. Yes. And Both Landon. Absolutely wonderful yeah. people. Yeah. That show was such, like, it really, I feel like, threw you more into the acting world because it's so emotional sure. and you're and like bawling on stage while singing yeah that was that was hard <laughs> um how do you prepare for that uh well um i didn't what I, I didn't realize i mean i guess i knew how much just the sheer size of it in the fact that like like, I know you did Last Summer is such an ensemble show. Yeah. Or, like, Barry is a lead, but I'm I'm not in half that show. Half that show, Ryan and I would sit in the back and drink, which is, don't I tell anybody. No one, that's not what we did. Um, but, uh, that nobody heard that. Um, but, uh, honestly, if you came, I think at this point, everybody knows that. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't, we, don't, we don't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> That started to result in injury, but, um, oh my, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, walk is just like, like there were 25 musical numbers and 24 musical numbers and Landon is in 22 of them. <laughs> yep. Yep. So just in size of it alone was a lot, but I, but in some ways that's the way it has to be for me. Like I, I think the only I don't think I could have ever like gradually like, it's like, for me, it's just like, man, at this point, throw me into the deep end and see if I can take on something that's like just infinitely more dialogue, infinitely more songs, infinitely more emotion. Emotion. Um, uh, and, um, uh, honestly, the hardest part of it by a mile, was was the part that I wasn't prepared for, which was the costume changes. 
because um, I'm doing it myself because yeah. it was a small show. And um, in the last 15 minutes, Landon changes clothes four times, pretty much. Um, and my bone. So, and we didn't. That was the one thing that like wasn't as well prepared for as I wish. I'm on my own, on myself. Like I was just like, of all, I was worrying about enough other things. I didn't see that being a problem. And the, the way the room at three clubs where we were doing it is designed is like our dressing room was on the opposite end of where so much of the action was. So I was just sprinting for the last, the last 20 minutes of the show. I'm sprinting. I did a full suit change and then out of a suit and then into a cast. And oh, it's a lot. Um, Getting that point, big venue experience there. At one point, my mic was still on, and you could just hear me screaming. That was a, that was that was great. <laughs> just hear me yelling. I thought it was off. Shit, only rookies like me mis make mistakes of. But I was just like stressed and sprinting and screaming because I had no time. I, um, it's like a serious scene. You just hear Brian in the background in the uh, But uh, as far as the rest of it, um. The amount of it musically I wasn't worried about because like doing a 20 song show is, is something I've been doing in some aspects. I mean, this forever, like when the Somerset was the last couple, the Somerset, we put out four albums and we were touring on our fourth album. We had 60 songs to choose from. We were having to play 20 songs a night. So like, I like, I like, do I actually, I would actually rather do more musically than less musically. Like, I, so uh, the musical aspect of it, um, I really enjoyed having just, also especially like, and I know we did last summer, Barry does Sabotage where he's sort of rap screaming and then My Own Worst Enemy where he's just kind of yelling in like a punk rock song. So it's like, what I liked about Walk is like, I was like, oh, I'm gonna sing for you now. Let me show you what that sounds like. I am going to sing. Um, and that was fun. And then uh, I had incredible people to work with. I mean, like in both runs, like yeah. Dia, Janelle ended up not being able to do the first run because she was filming uh, Tell the Boys I Love Before. And um, we were looking for somebody to fill in and uh, Dia is actually an old friend of mine. So. Dia and I go back. Dia's, I mean, I would argue Dia might be the person in my life I've now known essentially the longest. We used to have the same music manager. She sings on the first Somerset album ever, 12 years ago. Um, I've written songs with Dia. I mean, I've known Dia, I've quite literally known Dia for 13 years. Um, and so, and Jordan was familiar with her band and her, um, her run on The Voice. And we had actually, ironically, Jordan and I had bumped into her had something six months prior and he had asked me if that was who that was. And I was like, yeah, she's a friend of mine. And so Jordan was like, Hey, would Dia do this? And I know Dia actually does a, mostly a, a lot more acting now than music or not more, but oh. Dia does a, Dia does a lot of stuff. He had never done theater, had never done anything live. Well, um, she, just filmed, she did a movie with uh, Ashley, right? Mm -hmm. I, I yeah, so. time, time got lost to me. So I don't know when that was, but she, uh, after, it was after Walk to Remember. It was, it was actually beginning of this year. I don't know okay. a ton about it, but uh, she had just done a she just did a movie with Ashley Argoda. Um, but uh, Jordan asked if Dia would do it, and I was like, I think she would if I talked her into it. 
Um, and we sat down with her and um, made sense. And I was, I was grateful to get to do, I mean, I would have been grateful to do the first one with Janelle too, because Janelle and I had the best, Janelle and I obviously had like the most fun. And I think people could tell. Um, but Dia and I have known each other for so long. So it was like, it was something, there was a gateway about getting to do the first couple with Dia. Um, oh, and Dia just like would break my heart every yeah. time. Just, Dia is just like. Emotion she showed speaking sure, of and, and also even Dia, and like even outside of the theater, outside of acting, like Dia is just the kind of person where like, if I saw Dia crying in real life, I'd probably cry. She's just such yeah. a, wonderful not fragile but like wonderful little hummingbird of a human it's like i don't want i don't i don't want you to be upset and her and just her she's so raw and vulnerable and just like would cry instant like could just cry instantly which was great because like i cried because dia cried i don't think and i'm not yeah i'd like to i'd like to say i like prepared for that or put thought into that I didn't at all I only I was able to do it because Dia did like that was it was just like we had a there was a there was sort of a there was a rawness about doing it with Dia that comes from the fact that her and I have been playing in punk rock bands together for 13 years so like that's its own accident um Trent Mills is the greatest performer I've ever seen in my life across the board I had no idea I mean, that was the other, like the other time I remember, the other time I distinctly remember getting there and crying in Walk to Remember was when Trent started to cry at the end when he's giving me the book. And like the Trent I have done, the Trent I know is this incredible comedian, this yeah. huge presence, or then the fisherman, and I know what you did last summer, who's screaming in your face. And we didn't get a lot of rehearsal time with Trent because he was doing another show. So Trent just kind of like didn't rehearse. Trent just kind of showed up and did the show, which is in his own right, incredible. He did some music rehearsals and then his blocking was about as simple as could be. And he just like kind of did this. So we didn't really get to, I didn't get to experience sitting there on the bench with Trent and turning to him and him starting to cry. I was just like, no. <laughs> just like, what? I mean, it's incredible. It's just like, I was like, holy shit, you're unbelievable at this. Um, I could, I can sing Trent Mills' praises for ever. I could sing a lot of people's praises. I've met, I mean, I could sing all of your praises for like. But uh, Trent was incredible. And then, and then we got to go do it at the Rockwell, which is cool because I had actually never done anything at Rockwell. Um, uh, and that was really fun. And there was like a fun, there was something in the air at the Rockwell that weekend that was really fun. And it was just yeah. like, I sort of a, a new chapter of things over there. Um, and J- doing the show with Janelle was awesome. And Janelle, Janelle is just like, Janelle is just a pro. She's just so good. And I had just seen her do last five with Scott Porter. So I, was, I loved that. Um, so there were like, there were different things and similar things which both Janelle and Dia like why it was like the things that were good in the show that Dia and I did was the fact that Dia and I have near 15 years of history and like the fact that both of us kind of don't really know what we're doing is maybe what's making this thing feel raw and vulnerable and like very 
emotional and we were just like right up in your face too. <laughs> um, Which is special about LA theater. We were just right up in your face. And then doing it with Janelle was fun because like she's just good. Janelle's just fantastic. Yeah. And um, I had, I felt like I was getting to rise to an occasion. And also we were in a new room that was much bigger. Um, and, uh, um, and Janelle and I just like, we had, we have, she's become a really good friend and we just have so much fun. So it was like, but Janelle was just a fun show. Yeah. Which is awful to say if you know anything about Walk to Remember, <laughs> but, um, yeah. it's just yeah, like but performing it, on stage with, with someone who you're like good friends with. Yeah. And then that's the hardest part about I'm, I'm grateful for the life break right now during COVID and like there's been reward, it's been beyond rewarding getting to slow down and take a deep breath and work on some other stuff. And I'm actually really grateful to not be playing in any bands right now or touring or doing Dale's Hotel or anything. But there was a version where we would be doing some Walk to Remember right, these, right now. And, I, and that, I, I wish I was doing some of that we had a lot of conversation me and jordan and janelle were having a lot of conversations about like various versions of walk to remember we were maybe we obviously i mean we had dates booked in february yeah yeah um that we ended up having to push that we were going to push till april um and then obviously that shut down and then like we were talking about doing like a pop-up in new york or something like that or hypothetical so i probably shouldn't even say anything but like there was just a lot of conversation about doing more Walk to Remember. And I wish I could be doing that right now. Yeah. Probably, and that's the thing, that's the thing I would, cause that, that's the thing I would trade. There's not a lot I would trade for the amount of peace and quiet I've got out here right now, out here in the middle of nowhere, you can't really tell, but uh, I would trade it to do some more Walk to Remember shows. Cause like, like I said, we only did a hand, we only did a couple of them. So yeah. I, I didn't get the full. I didn't get the full uh, sort of cathartic release. Yeah, and I needed I needed to go at least like four more times. <laughs> oh, and I mean, we were gonna do, we were about to do another run of them with Emma Hunton playing my mom, which was gonna be, which was gonna be incredible. And Emma and I have never. Oh my gotten, god. Emma and I have never gotten to do any, have never done anything together. I think she's a fucking genius. Um. And it's like theater was supposed to be back by now in some essence. Like, um, I was excited that she was going to play my mom, which I thought was going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> but uh, been, yeah, I don't know. That would have been amazing. I'm yeah. looking forward to the day where that can happen. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. We can put, it can be back on stage. Only more um, time. So speaking of these movies that have been turned into musicals by Jordan Ross in LA, a lot of them. What um, movie do you think would make a good stage musical in the future? Ooh. If you could give Jordan any idea. Um, huh. Well, ironically, the one I would say is American Pie and he was gonna do it and then we ended up not, and then he pulled it because well, there were some things going on at El Cid and we were kind of leaving El Cid behind as a venue. Um, American Pie would be an incredible stage music. Uh, I think. Sorry, in that world of like, 
a lot of the LA, a lot of that LA theater like because it's so like as far as like a comedy musical. Um, I mean, I've got a sort of a different I got a different approach on this one in the sense that I want to write the music for a Jerry Maguire musical really badly. That's like the number. That's like the I'm actually like dead serious. Like, yeah. That's like yes. That's like the number one thing on my list of like, and and I know. I saw Almost Famous in San Diego. I actually auditioned for Almost Famous. Um, Did you? First audition I ever had in my entire life. Oh my gosh. Didn't know what an audition was. And I was like, walked into the room and I was like, what do I do here? What happens now? Um, But uh, I saw Almost Famous and I was just like, I was like, Cameron Crowe, if you're trying to make another one. Yeah. I'm trying to do Jerry Maguire, the musical man. Like that's, that's the, wish I could, and I know that sounds stupid because it's a movie about, a sports agent, but I'm telling you, I want to write the music for that. I don't even, I don't even do anything else. I want to write the music for a Jerry Maguire musical. Well, I mean, Jordan's doing a screen musical with all original music, so. I know, I know, I know. I've heard some of it. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm talking to Zach on Friday, so I'm like, uh, I heard some, heard, heard some music. It was very good. Uh, um, I guess it depends. Like, there are movies that, like, um there there are movies that i think would like work really well at at, like the rockwell and sort of the sort of the comedic space with a jukebox of songs god i was thinking of one the other day and i've already forgot what it was i had a hadn't i had one the other day but then like i'm also like like i was saying like once was my is once is one of my favorite shows i've ever seen um but uh um, I'd like to, like, once isn't, like, necessarily the funniest thing in the entire world, but, like, I'd like to see, like, I'd like to do, I'd like to write some weird, sad acoustic music for a Goodwill Hunting musical, but I don't know if anyone would go see it. I'm down. <laughs> but, but, uh, that's, you know but, um, but, uh, God, I mean, I know Jordan has talked about doing, like, Can't Hardly Wait, and I think that would be great, but also, I think Jordan and Lindsay and them are all going to run out of songs from the '90s pretty soon. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. So they need you to write. They need you to write music for their their musicals. Um, Get on it. But, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> no pressure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think they need to find something from like the 2005-2006 era. Yes. Um, but I don't know. I want. I have only a few goals left in in this life of mine but and one of them is straight up to be hired to write the music for a jerry Maguire musical i'm not even kidding that's the one i want to do i've already thought this through i've already it'll happen cameron, cameron crowe we met one time you have no idea who i am you're probably not watching this <laughs> um it, or maybe he is I'll, maybe I'll cameron crowe i'll email him uh, but uh I've got some song ideas for a Jerry Maguire musical, and they're awesome. So call me, call me soon. If you're watching, call. <laughs> yes. Um, I know you're working on the almost famous one, Kurt. Still, but <laughs> if you could be, since you've listened to more musicals and like Broadway musicals lately, if you could be on in any show like on Broadway in New York, what show do you think it would be, and what character? 
I guess the obvious one would be Roger from Rent. That's what I was thinking. Um, and I don't even mean that so much from my own point of view, but of just like more so the fact that I had never seen Rent or heard a single song from Rent and then had all these people being like, oh, like you should, you should probably listen to Rent. You should go out for Roger. I was like, who's Roger? Anyway, um, but so now I can essentially do Roger in my sleep whenever they're ready for the, whenever they're ready for the, for the revival. I can, well, I learned it for a concert. We were going to do a concert version um for something i, I don't remember know if that was that. yeah yeah i remember that and it ended up being pulled because there were some sort of venue complications but uh i had learned it and so i i'm ready whenever they need to do rent i'm i'm i can do it in my sleep now like they I already called did. you for the uh for the uh tv one that when yeah, you got it, injured it was uh you just like put your name on there just in case i didn't happened. i i I didn't exist in the world yet before that had uh, <gasps> happened necessarily. Ironically, an unnamed friend of mine from another band that I grew up with was the runner up for the Roger role. And he's not, oh. a, he's, a, he's, a, he's not a theater dude, but he's like a, I mean, he's a real life, he's a Roger real life person, but he would actually was, Post an audition for it, end up not getting it. it. Went to the guy who ended up doing it. But uh, but yeah. um, would have been very interesting to see this other friend of mine do it. Um, but uh, uh, so that's an obvious one. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, um, are we talking like like anything on anything, even if it's not on? Oh, I want to do last five at some point, but now that I've seen Scott Porter do it, I don't think I ever can do it. <laughs> um, no! I think I, I think I would have said the last five years until don't I watched Scott it. Porter do it. Don't I know that it's hard. Hard. I don't compare to anything, but and I I am I'm now forever comparing to Scott because. No, but, you, but but no comparing. It's bad. Um. Oh, I know. Uh. Um. um I could see you in the last five years. Yeah, I'd like to. I mean, I'd love to do the last five years. Uh, I'd love to do. I'd love to, I mean, I'd love to do once. Like, one, I would love to do yeah. once, and because once requires a guitar player, so like, I like that yes. aspect. Um, work on my Irish accent, which is awful. Um, I know hey, that firsthand. I know, no. in like two oh, years. I, know that, I know that firsthand because I auditioned for Sing Street, and I didn't realize until about the minute before, until about the day of. I was like, oh my God, it's an Irish accent. Of course it is. Why didn't I think about this? And it was so bad. It was like the worst performance. It was the worst I've ever done with anything. I tried. I tried as hard as I could. I worked my ass off for 24 hours to learn an Irish accent. That was hard. But you picked up acting really fast. So like, you could do it. You could do it. Sort of. Um, uh, if they ever get almost famous to Broadway and Colin Donald can't do it, call me. <laughs> um, or but, uh, actually, when it when it lasts for a long time. Because I, well, also when I saw it and they oh, they cast Colin Donald, I was just like, one, of course. Two, he's fucking ten years older than I am. Why were they? Why did why did I go in for this? Um, but he was fantastic. The show was great. Um, I'd love to do that one now. I'd love to do that one. Later yes. down the line, rent uh, is the obvious one. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a part 
Rock of Ages? Rock of Ages is a fucking goofy one. I, I don't know if this will be the only circumstance where I will ever say that there is something I don't want to sing and it's Rock of Ages. That is like, really? it is, it's that 80s hair metal countertenor stuff is so hard and so high and so just hard on your vocal cords. And I mean, who am I kidding? If Rock of Ages came about, came up and came about and I auditioned for Rock of Ages, I would certainly go do it. Yeah. But that is singing up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is so hard. And I'd sing up there, but just doing it like there all the time for two and a half hours is brutal. Yeah. That sort of hair, that sort of hair metal stuff is insane. <laughs> so I commend anyone who's done that lead role in Rock of Ages. I saw it. I saw it in LA. Um, the new, I saw it, Ian Ward. That's his name, Ian. Um, yeah, yeah, Ian. Oh God, I saw it. I was, voices, I was like, okay. Un and he was fantastic. His voice is incredible. I was just like, okay, I, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> oh, okay. You're like, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, it's so high. Um, so when, when you get, when you audition for a part and get the part in Rock of Ages, eventually I'm going to be like, <laughs> remember when you said he didn't want to do that? <laughs> I'll destroy my vocal cords. <laughs> um, uh, no, don't do that though. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe in ten years I can play the dad in Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> oh. Maybe. Okay. Maybe in like I've passed. I'm too old to do. I'm too. I'm too old to do Evan now. A little more than ten years, probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm never gonna play the dad and. Okay, I'm never going to play the dad in Evan Hansen. Oh, I'd love to do Hades Town. <gasps> yes, yes. I'd love... I'd love to, Have you seen Hades Town? No. Oh, yes. Yeah, I could see that. I auditioned for the tour. <gasps> right before... Oh. Right, and then COVID happened, so I never heard anything. <gasps> okay. I feel like I... I don't like the talking. I don't. I, I. I don't like being the guy talking about all the things he's auditioned for and didn't get. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm so. Feel like that's bad luck for me. Um, no, 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 but. I auditioned for the Hadestown tour right before, uh, right as the world started ending. So I never heard anything. I love, but the oh, the music is unbelievable. And it's like, there's not a ton, like male guitar player, high tenor stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's a very small little wheelhouse. So like anything I can do over in that little pocket, I'm going to try my best. Yeah. So that's once rent Hadestown. Yes. Um, trying to think if there's anything I'm missing. I'm sure there's some other obvious ones. And what's the first thing you're going to do once quarantine ends and you can do anything again? Um... Probably, hopefully, a walk to remember. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, honestly, hopefully, I know what you did last summer with everybody, with as long as everyone can do it. Just um, both, you know, sim simultaneously, just switch off the nights. I'd like to do, even if we just did it one time. I'd like, you know what? I'd like to just see that group of people in person. That's what I'd like to do. I don't even need to do the show. I've been truly isolated, which has been great. But I'd like to just see that. But it drives you a little crazy sometimes. Yeah, I'd like to. 
I'd like to see those people in person. Yes. And if you could travel anywhere after quarantine ends, where would it be? Uh, huh. Probably. LA. <laughs> so when the Somerset was active, we, uh, we toured in the UK like three times a year. Like we were, we would like, it was sort of our bigger, our better market. And like we did a, well, the Somerset toured internationally a lot, which was wonderful in retrospect. Um, but we used to go to London in the UK like three times a year just to, for to tour over there. I would spend three months, almost three months a year in the UK um, from 2011 to 2016, basically. Uh, and I haven't been back since, and I have a lot of friends over there that I keep saying I'm meaning to see, and I talked about it this year, and that's obviously not happening. Um, so, probably there. Oh, well, that's not necessarily true. I'm supposed to officiate a wedding in Bali in January, and I don't know if we're going to get to do it, so we'll see. What? Just, yeah. Uh, dream? But... But uh, I don't know if by then it's going to happen. So yeah. that's up in the air. No one knows but what's going to happen in January. I, but I imagine officiating that that wedding will be probably the first thing I do. Probably the first place I go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so how do you think L the LA theater scene will be different when it's able to come back? Because LA theater is kind of like smaller venues like Rockwell and uh, places like Elsa, Three Clubs. The, those places Jordan finds, which makes it special and makes other theater what it is. But I mean, uh, I'm sure I guess it depends on when it's able to come back. Cause like, I don't know, I hate being the pessimist, but it, I think it's going to be a long time before it really can, because, and I, it's unfortunate, but like, I think it'll be a long time even before, like, I don't, I, I hurt for theater in the sense that it's built upon literally sitting this close to somebody. And I just am worried it's going to be a long time before it's safe to do that again. So we'll see. Uh, and it's not like they can space people out further. So, uh, especially um, like Rockwell. I mean, even on a bigger spectrum, like I've, I hurt for the Broadway community in the sense that those companies rely on being sold out every single night to stay afloat just as like a business model. And that means sitting, I've sat in those seats. They're literally on top of each other yeah. and they have to be in order for those companies to stay afloat. They can't do a half capacity show. They would, they shouldn't, they won't, you don't want to also to, you to put up, to even put up a show for half capacity at, in theory, like, I mean, it's better than nothing, but like, it's a, as a business model, it doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I hope it comes back soon. And, but we'll see. Yeah. Same. And to end on like a happier note before the last question I have. <laughs> Less uh, than that. <laughs> yes. To end on a happier note before, before that, the last question. Um, yeah. What do you think makes LA theater so special? Because it's such a special tight-knit community. Uh, because I don't mean this as a, I don't mean this in a degrading way. There's something 
just shameless about it in a good way. Like it's so, it's sort of at least like the at least like like our run of I know you did last summer or shows at the Rockwell. They're so there's just like a like a we there's something so joyous and shameless about just like you know what we're right up in your face and we're gonna do whatever we know the show but we're also gonna do whatever we want um and you're gonna have there's obviously it's a different form of entertainment in the sense that it's uh it's like almost like it's a part of the nightlife in some way whereas like it's not it's not some It's not some insanely expensive ticket where you're going to see where you're like where like it uh, I don't want to say like where you're demanding perfection because like you should always demand perfection but what's so fun about the about like at least the shows we've done is like you can get away with doing this it's you can get away with doing the show in the surround that is like I mean I, I guess I personally love it because I come from the world of playing in punk rock band punk rock about just like it's it's organized and it's messy at the same time yeah and i love and i love that it's like i love i love there's there's a compared to other sort of it's not it's not even like it's also less theatery it's just like it's it's there's something just so much fun about it um the stakes are high, but they're not too high. They're like, we, you, you're also, you're so, you're, the audience is part of the show. And that makes sort of the, 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 the machine you're in kind of work. It's like, For sure. because the audience is, it's sort of its own energetic character in its own right. And that's what's, that's fun. And like, I don't think other cities could do that as well because you need people who are funny, <laughs> and all the funny any anyone who's funny is in LA. So, yes. um, yeah. but uh, like, I love. There's nothing I love more than watching Matthew Montgomery do the same show differently every single night. <laughs> That's what, that's the best way to put it. It's, instead of it being the same show night after night perfectly, it's the same show differently every single night and it's perfect. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's fun. Yeah. There's no, no two shows we ever did were the same. Yeah. It's, it's magic of watching something live, watching something unfold live. And then, uh, lastly, I know we've been doing some stuff during quarantine and you've been recording covers and stuff for uh, Instagram. Uh, would you like to talk about anything you've been working on specifically? Uh, promote anything? Promote oh, the free um, event? I guess I, uh, you can currently find me on Cameo through September 26th. Um, if you donate to Cameo, I will play you a song of your choice and donate the proceeds to um, the Huntington's Disease Foundation of America. Um, I, would, I, I learned about it, I'm new to it, but I learned about it last year. I 
put the, the Dales Hotel did the music for their live of um, their fifth at the time fifth annual live event in LA last year. Um, Scott Porter was hosting, and the cause is very dear to his um, his family and his heart. And so he asked me if I would do a Dales Hotel there last year, and it was a great experience and then this year they're doing the event entirely online um as a live stream and so i'm going to put some i'm going to play some songs some other friends are going to pop into the stream and play some songs and uh we're going to donate some money to the huntington's disease foundation of america i love that so much that makes me happy that that there's a way that it can still happen online yeah i think uh i think I actually think it'll, I think it's actually going to work itself out online pretty well. So we'll see. To keep up with anything else you're doing, where can people follow you on social media? On, um, I'm at Brian Logandales on everything. So Consistent. Instagram, Twitter, probably MySpace. Um, I'm awful at social media. I'm trying, I'm actually actively trying to get worse. So <laughs> I don't care. I don't really. I like it having it to promote things I'm doing, but if I'm not doing anything, I don't really want to show you what I'm eating for breakfast. I got a really, really pretty dog now, so you just get a lot of. If you want to find, follow me for dog content. That's about it. Yes, we love dog um, content. I tried playing every once in a while. I'll like play a song and put it up on the internet like a cover of I'll play the piano but and I guess this comes back to the theater thing but like I, I don't like performing for just myself I need to be in a room full of people so hopefully we'll get to be in a room full of people again soon yes well thanks for talking to me on this for of course yeah long time it's, yeah <laughs> of it's course. been fun though thanks for talking to me about theater and about like how you got involved in theater I like I love hearing that that story and Big I'm so accident. glad you found your way to theater because I, I truly can't believe you never did it before. I know what you did last summer. Thank you. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it found me too because I, uh, I like this sort of path, this life path, a lot more than the one where I was going to quit performing, write country songs, and get fat. So. Yeah, I like, the, I like that life. <laughs> That's not fully true, but that probably was. I thought it was just time to... I don't know. I'm happy yeah. to be I'm happy to be doing this. Thanks for watching this episode of Backstage with Becca B. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. Or for more exclusive content from this interview and more, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Backstage with Becca B. Make sure to subscribe to my channel and like this video. And if you're tuning in on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star rating. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see y'all next time. Bye.